It's time to gather the family around for the family discipleship portion of Household Hermeneutics. Welcome to the fifth episode of the family worship segment of the Household Hermeneutics podcast. After each episode of Household Hermeneutics, as you probably know by now if you've been following along, we always have this second, much smaller episode that encapsulates the topic of the main episode and provides some resources and other useful things that you can use to teach your own kids in a family worship setting. This week's main episode covered the Old Testament canon of Scripture, and so today's family worship episode is going to be about how the Bible is perfect true and does not contain any errors, specifically in the Old Testament. And we're going to go into even the specific books that make up the Old Testament as well. Then, as usual, we'll work on a new memory verse together, and we will also memorize a question and answer from a catechism. As we usually do here also, we'll end with a hymn. So, in our last episode, we answered the question, are there any errors in the Bible? We determined that the answer is no, because the Bible is inspired by God. It is his own words, and since God cannot lie, then his word cannot contain any errors. The Bible is 100% true and trustworthy because it was inspired by and given to us by a perfect, truthful God. Now, today we're going to be building on that and looking at the books that make up the Bible, specifically in this episode, the Old Testament books. We're going to start by asking ourselves the question, what exactly is the Old Testament? So let's look really quick at chapter 1, section 2 of the Westminster Confession of Faith, which has this to say on the canon. Under the name of Holy Scripture, or the Word of God written, are now contained all the books of the Old and New Testament, which are these. Of the Old Testament... Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs, it has both names, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. All which are given by inspiration of God to be the rule of faith and life. So I just read the Old Testament books, the 39 books that make up the Old Testament. We'll leave the 27 New Testament books for next time. So let's look at exactly what these 39 books make up in different categories or groupings, if you want to say, in the Old Testament. First, we have the first five books, which are called the books of the law. Moses wrote these books, and they sort of set up the framework of the nation of Israel, and they talk a lot about the history of those first days. Then the next 12 books are the books of history, and they cover the time from Joshua up through the building of the second temple. They talk about the history of God's people and the story of how God is moving towards Jesus in the history of redemption. We believe generally that they were primarily written by Samuel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Then, moving on from those 12 books, we have the five wisdom books. 
Now, these are the books that give us wisdom about God, and it proposes wise ways to live our lives. We believe these were primarily written by David, Solomon, and even some by Moses. Now we'll move on to the next five books, which are called the Major Prophets. And it's, it's very simple why they're called that. Uh, <laughs> they're longer than the Minor Prophets, and they primarily give warnings to God's people and the surrounding nations of what God plans to do in those times. And then we come to the end of the Old Testament and to the Minor Prophets. Minor prophets have a shorter message of warning to deliver than the major prophets, and the books themselves are shorter. Uh, they're generally under 10 chapters, and they usually are addressing one specific people group, whereas the major prophets often are talking to, like I mentioned, the surrounding nations, including the specific people groups. So now that we have a better understanding of what the books of the Old Testament are and what they are about... Let's look at why we can be confident that they are the exact books that God wanted us to have in our Old Testament and that there aren't any missing. Let's look at Deuteronomy 4.2. It says, You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Moses, and also then Joshua after him, wrote many books in the Old Testament, and then the rest were written mostly by the prophets. There are many places in scripture that talk about the books being written and added to the canon. When Moses first wrote the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, for example, they were placed into the Ark of the Covenant right alongside the Ten Commandments. Another reason we can trust the Old Testament list of books is that the earliest peoples and historians of the time believed that they were the true words of God. That was always the assumption and the accepted fact all the way from the beginning. Also, when you look into the New Testament, you actually get the idea that Jesus and the other authors of the New Testament books often quoted the Old Testament scriptures. In fact, over 295 times and every single time they are quoting from the Old Testament books that are within our canon, never from other books or writings, from the Apocrypha or other historical things that were written at the time. They're always from the books that we have in our Bible. So with all this considered, when we look at the Old Testament, we can have a high level of trust that all 39 books in it are there because God wanted them to be. They are his inspired, inerrant, which means without error, like we've talked about, books and we trust that they are the correct ones because, first of all, the Bible says they are. History shows that the earliest people reading them considered them to be. And because they are quoted as scripture so many times by the writers of the New Testament. So let that encourage you to have confidence in those books, in the truth that they contain. So now let's move on to the memory verse for this week, which, if you're not familiar with the way we do things around here, I will read it, and then I will leave some time for you to repeat it, and then I will do that a few times. So you will have a chance to hear it, and then have time to recite it yourselves a few times. So for this week, we're looking at Deuteronomy 4.2. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you.
Deuteronomy 4.2 You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Deuteronomy 4.2 You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Okay, now let's move to the catechism portion of this week's lesson. We're looking at Keech's Catechism, question four. And again, just like the memory verse, I will recite the question and answer, and then leave time for you to recite it yourselves, and we'll do this a few times. So, question four, what is the word of God? Answer, the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, being given by divine inspiration, are the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice. Question 4. What is the Word of God? Answer. The scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, being given by divine inspiration, are the Word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice. Question 4. What is the Word of God? Answer. The scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, being given by divine inspiration, are the Word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice. Okay, now, as we always do around here, we are going to conclude our family worship episode with a worship song. Today, we're doing Holy, 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 one of my favorite classic hymns written by Reginald Heber in 1826 with music by John Bacchus Dykes from 1861. And also included, if you look at the show notes for this episode, in addition to having all the notes on this episode and the, the words for the psalm, I also have a couple recommendations for you, including another fantastic rendition of this song, and also a really neat memory song that could help you learn the books of the Bible. We're specifically focusing on the Old Testament here, but next week we'll be talking about the New Testament, and this song can actually help you to remember their order and remember all their names, which is actually a pretty impressive accomplishment considering there are 66 total. So if you would like to learn them and you would like a great way to do it, I recommend this song. <laughs> 